Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I'm Craig, the writer Stewart, and this is so much to say. These are my thoughts in my voice on black shit, white shit, gay shit, and everything in between. I wanted to have this conversation because it's an important conversation. Over the past couple years, uh, it'll be two years in September, I've been subscribing to a more plant-based diet. I do still eat seafood, but I stopped eating meat almost two years ago. And part of the reason that I made the decision to come off of meat is because of the implications that can sometimes come with eating meat as well as dairy. So I've removed dairy and meat from my diet because research shows that dairy produces mucus in the body. And when mucus builds up in the body, it causes inflammation, uh, whether it's through arthritis or in your joints and, you know, just that kind of thing. It's been tested and shown and proven that mucus, inflammation are both connected to cancer. And so I made the decision to remove dairy and meat from my diet for those reasons. Now, that doesn't mean that I could not be diagnosed with some sort of cancer at some point because cancers are also environmental. It's not just about the things that we ingest. But... If I was to be diagnosed with a cancer, it wouldn't be because I didn't try to avoid it or prevent it. But I have known and loved people that were diagnosed with cancer, and I wanted to have this conversation with a very dear friend of mine. Uh, She and I actually went to college together, and I knew that she would be an amazing storyteller, and I knew that you guys would benefit from her story. So do me a favor. Please share this podcast. If you've never shared a podcast before, I hope that you will share this podcast. Just take the link. Text it to your friends, email it to your friends, or post it on your social media, because I believe that it definitely can save a life. This is very personal work for me. Politics. Politics. I believe I was called to tell my story, use my voice, be a voice for the community, to speak to and for a community of people that's been ignored. Denied. Love, love, relationships, relationships, religion. This is my life's work. Religion, religion. I want to use words to uplift, Every heal, inspire, life. encourage. Do something different. Something different. Every Monday at ten. I, I really just want to talk, and I just want it to be a conversation, um, just about every single thing that you've experienced um, with your diagnosis and because for me the the first time that I had heard about it was when you had posted and you know of course you know we graduated from college together Mm -hmm. and you always hear little things about people what's going on with this person or what's going on with that person but I had not heard this through the grapevine this was not one of those things that, Mm -hmm. that had trickled through the grapevine and so I remember here's what I remember I remember getting ready for homecoming getting prepared Okay. And I remember, mm-hmm. you, you, are, you know what I'm about to say? And, and I remember, I yeah, I remember messaging you. I remember texting you because I, I haven't seen you in years. And, uh-huh. But even though we, you know, we talk over social media and we text from time to time and we talk on the phone from time to time, but I had not physically seen you uh-huh. in years. I couldn't even tell you the last time I, t- I've, I've se- I saw you. And I remember texting oh, you we to were say. In California, by the way. I, was that when it was? California? Yeah. When yeah, I lived in California. You were so, working on the book. Oh, my God. So that was 2011. Oh, my gosh. So, no, we've seen each other since then in Atlanta. Was it? When we went to lunch with Leslie, her little girl. Okay. I don't really remember that. So that may have been 
that may have been but that may have been 2013 okay well still it's been six seven years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i remember as i was getting ready getting prepared for homecoming and of course for those listening you live in virginia you live like 25 minutes from the school from hampton Mm -hmm. and i remember texting you leading up to homecoming saying hey what's up i'm coming to homecoming this year because i have not been to homecoming probably since 2001 Mm-hmm. And I was just like, hey, I'm coming to homecoming. You know, I hope to see, you know, I hope that, you know, I'll be down there. And I remember you text me back and said, hey, um, something about uh, I hope to see you. And I remember looking at my text message like, what the fuck she mean? She hoped to see me. She lived right the fuck there. What she mean? She uh-huh. hoped to see me. She uh-huh. ain't going to be in the area. <laughs> you know, right. Where the fuck she going to be? You know what I'm saying? Where the hell is she gonna be? I mean, I'm coming. I'm coming to Virginia, and she ain't, she ain't gonna be able to make time to see me. What the fuck that means? <laughs> and then probably, I don't know, a matter of a week or two or three later, I see this post on your Facebook. It comes across my wall, and it's amazing because you know the way that the algorithms are set up on social media. You don't always see everyone's post, and it just so happened that I I logged on. And I saw this long post that you had done. And just tell us a little bit about what you said in that post. So I think at that time when I did that particular post, I had just gotten the diagnosis. Um, actually, no, the diagnosis had changed. Yeah, it had changed. Initially, I was diagnosed on July 31st. So got the phone call. Hey, are you by yourself? I don't even know why they do that because at that point you already know, you know, Mm -hmm. when when the breast center is calling and asking, are you alone? So I got the, the, the call on the 31st and was told that it was very simple, very easy. And I would have to have a surgery to remove the lump and perhaps radiation. So what, July of last year, 2018? July, uh-huh, 2018. Okay. So by the time I did that post, everything must have changed. It was. I had, yeah, I had the surgery in September. I went in still thinking everything was going to be what I was told, stage one, very small, treatable and curable, and you might have to have radiation. Mm-hmm. So after that surgery, seven days later, that entire protocol changed. Right, because the post that I saw, it seemed like it was like stage, what was it? Stage 3A. Stage 3, right. Mm-hmm. Stage 3, you will have to have radiation and you will have to have chemo. What were you thinking when they initially called you? When, because like you said, you knew that when when they were calling, what it was, what the call was. Yes, yes. I, I remember literally shaking like a leaf. Were you home alone? No, I was actually in, just pulled into my chiropractor's office. Mm-hmm. I just parked. Mm-hmm. Which was probably in my chiro- chiropractor is in a medical suite where the breast surgeon was. So literally, I'm around the corner from them. Okay. And um, I, I immediately start shaking. And 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 when I start shaking, I said, "Oh God, this is this is them. They're calling." And I pick up, and Meg, who's the breast navigator, she goes, "Hey, Melinda. Hey, where are you? Are you by yourself?" 
And because I know you, I know you're like, bitch, just get to it. What you got to say and to me? You know, and I almost said those exact words to her, but Why? I decided not to call the lady bitch. <laughs> Damn the small talk, uh, daughter. What you trying to call me to say? Mm-hmm. I said, Meg, just tell me. And she said, well, well, call me back. So at this point, I'm like, so I go into my chiropractor's office and I am rattled. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a disaster. Yeah. Okay. And I'm very close to my chiropractor and his staff. So they're like, okay, get yourself together. Call us later. Were you crying like, at this point? I am like that pasty mouth. Uh-huh. Water is in my eyes, but it's not falling. Right. So you didn't do the chiropractor treatment or did you? No. Okay. Never did it. Okay. Never did it. Um, I called her back and she told me. And she first said, listen, you have the best scenario ever. It's stage one. It's mucinous carcinoma, which is um, a mucus-based cancer Mm -hmm. that is not very aggressive. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, It's very small, and it's treatable and it's curable. And I was still a nervous wreck. So I got in my car and I drove to the breast center. Mm-hmm. And it was after five o'clock and she's an amazing lady and she's also a survivor. So when I walk into the center, she sees me and she just opens her arms up like a grandma. Did she know you were coming? Nope. Okay. She didn't know. Okay. And, you know, she's off at this time. But, right. You know, the doors were still open, but she's off. Uh-huh. And she just opens her arms and I just collapse. I literally just break down crying. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, she said, I know, you know, I know exactly how you feel. I know everything. And so then she kind of, you know, sits me down and she was like, well, since you're here, let's just go ahead and get everything done. Let me give you some information. Um, we're going to obviously need to make your appointment a lot sooner than we had originally thought. So we're going to see you next week. But let me go ahead and give you things. And I, I'm literally in shock, Craig. I'm sitting there like, is this is this for real? And then she gives me this bag and this notebook. And it's almost as if she's giving me my materials after crossing in a sorority. And in theory, it's kind of a secret, not a secret society, but it, in theory, it is kind of like a, 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 it is. A, 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 yeah, I can't even find the words. Yeah. I am receiving like those materials that, like I say, the girls are looking forward to receive. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting the membership package yes. to the sorority I never wanted to join. Yes, yes. And so... She sits me down and, you know, everything is a blur. Everything is a blur. Because, you know, what I mentioned that post is, keep in mind, this is also my last day of my job that I lost. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's just pouring. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. When it rains, it pours. And I am in the middle right now of a tropical storm. I mean, a hurricane. This is... Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got the binder and you know we're going page by page and and literally I would think that if I could watch myself if Zoe this was a television program she would have been sounding like the adults on Charlie Brown Mm -hmm. you know because Mm -hmm. I'm still in my head did she say I have breast cancer is this what we're doing today so um we go through the binder we go through all the information and she literally spends about an hour and a half with me Mm mm-hmm and um, 
you know, answers probably most of my questions just in that in that time frame. Because again, it's treatable, it's curable, and if if you're gonna have breast cancer, this is the way you want it. Right. That that's this is the best scenario. Yeah. Yeah. She's describing it to me. Um, Now, of course. We, we're getting ready to go on this marathon of um, you have to have a chest x-ray. You're, we're going to have to do some more blood work. We're going to have to check, you know, your genes. Do you, are you, um, do you have to brack a gene? Is it something that's genetic or what type of cancer is this? You know, when they get into your blood work and all that. Mm-hmm. So all of those things she's telling me we're going to be setting me up to do in a couple of days. Now, what is brackaging? You said brackaging? Uh-huh. Um, it actually is the gene that tells you if your cancer is the mutation. And, you know, and I really want to give you that more scientifically. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm really giving it to you basic. Right. Just, Layman terms. This, this is this is the one that if, if it is, if yes, you have it, it means it was it was genetic. OK. Um, if not, then it's environmental. OK. So I knew they were going to be doing different types of genetic testing. Um and all of that was just literally a whirlwind. I mean, so we are filling my calendar up at that moment. Mm-hmm. You got to see this person. You have to do this. Then after that, you're going to do this. So everything is starting to be laid out. So even though she's giving you all of this information, mm-hmm. you're filling your calendar up with, you know, scheduling different things, mm-hmm. blood work, tests, just mm-hmm. whatever. What's kind of going through your mind? Are you thinking about... Friends? Are you thinking about mm-hmm. family? Are you mm-hmm. what, what? What's happening? I'm thinking. You know, of course, we go to our. I go to our classmate. I don't go to LaRonda first. Mm-hmm. I go to Beth. Because LaRonda, for those who are listening, is a classmate of ours who was diagnosed with breast cancer, but she's a survivor, and you know she's in remission. But then we have mm-hmm. another classmate who actually passed away. Mm-hmm. So you thought about Beth, the one who passed mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just as a side note, I remember one day having a conversation with LaRonda because, you know, I could call and, you know, cry on the phone with her. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day she just saying, Melinda, why don't you think about me and Tia and Dawn? These are all our classmates. That have survived? She's, that are surviving. Mm-hmm. Why do you keep thinking about Beth? Right. And I couldn't, I can't, even today I can't answer that. Right. One of the things that you said to me, um, and it stuck out, was you said something about, I, I can't believe that I'm inspiring so many people because it just doesn't feel like, it just doesn't feel like that to me. It doesn't feel like. Mm-hmm. I'm inspiring anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people would come to... Let, let me tell you this. The other day, I'm standing in a deli line at Harris Teeter to get some cheese. And I see this woman walk across the, the um, area. And I just see her, a black woman, really attractive, beautiful short haircut. And she comes over and stands in the line as well. So she she turns to me and she says, are you next? And I said, oh, no. And she goes, Melinda? And I say, yeah. And I, I don't know this lady. She saw my story on Facebook. Wow. The power of social mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. And 
long short, it's more to that story, but because she actually is someone who sent me a card um, and a gift, Mm -hmm. but didn't know her. And so I think about how people like that have told me I'm an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a young lady currently going through chemo who I had never known a day in my life. Found her. She found me on Instagram. We talked weekly. Um, but then, you know, my friends, um, my mother's friends, mm-hmm. you know, family, they're like, you just inspire me. And I'm looking at them like, how? Well, because it's the way that you approached it. You know what I mean? Like, most people's instinct would be to collapse under that kind of pressure. You know what I mean? Um, And I I personally think that, you know, those kinds of things, whether it's that, whatever it is, I believe that God, the universe knows what to send us, to send our way to really strengthen us and to really just kind of bring us through the fire or whatever that next level of growth is in our life. Um, for me, it was financial. And, you know, I talk mm-hmm. about this all mm-hmm. of the time. For me, it was financial. He knew in order to get my attention, he had to break me financially. But mm-hmm. for some, it's through a divorce. Some, mm-hmm. it's through the loss of a child. Some, it's through cancer. Some, it's through HIV or AIDS. Um, you know, just to kind of ramp you up and really kind of re-inspire you and reactivate you to really live your life. Mm-hmm. You know, because I remember, I remember when we were in college, I remember you saying to me, I came to college for the purpose of finding my husband. Mm-hmm. And like here, you and I are both now 43. I'm 43. I don't know how old you are. You 42? I'm 42. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hold on to them few months, baby. <laughs> okay. But I remember us th- saying to each other when we were like, when we were in our 20s, if we're both still single by the time we're 30, we're going to have a child together. Mm-hmm. But I would only imagine that something like this would make you really reevaluate life and what really matters mm-hmm. to you in life. Mm-hmm. And none of that stuff that we talked about then matters. Yeah. It shifts. You know, what does matter would be those, the relationships, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's, it, it's, it's just so, it's just, I don't even know how to put it in words. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that I would stress over before. Yeah. I don't even stress over. It's so funny. One afternoon, I don't know if you remember this, but I have a deathly fear of spiders. Mm-hmm. I killed one. Mm. You have a fear of fire, spiders, but you killed yeah. one recently. Mm-hmm. Didn't think about it. Uh-huh. Just killed it. Uh-huh. It gave me a little bit of the creeps, but normally I would have been screaming or hollering trying to get somebody to tell me kill. Mm-hmm. And it was, if I can fight cancer. Listen, uh, right. And so I think that's what people see when they look at you, you know, like still moving, living, Mm -hmm. fighting, Mm -hmm. not giving up. You know what I'm saying? Because, again, most people would collapse. You know what I mean? It's just like sometimes you see a person lose a parent and they Mm -hmm. fold. Mm-hmm. They can't figure out how to get back on track. They can't figure out how to um, continue on, you know, to, to kind of harness that, that, that grieving to be able to still maintain your life. And I always say, mm-hmm. you know, if your loved one knew that you were just 
languishing now because they're gone, mm-hmm. like how would they really feel? They would be devastated to know that your life has basically stopped. You've mm-hmm. you've turned to a life of alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. You know, or you slipped into this severe depression because of, of the loss of your your parent or of a child. And I'm not saying I, I can't say from experience how I would handle it, but there's a part of me that understands and knows that that that's a part of the cycle of life. And so, mm-hmm. and I know everybody's grieving process is different. I'm not saying that you should be able to bounce back in three days and be okay, but you should be able to reach in for that little bit of strength, you know, just because that's just what your loved one would bit. want. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. your loved one would want. Because it's, it's almost like two deaths then. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you should say that because one of my friends who recently said that I was an inspiration to her. Um, you you have to rem- you must remember Crystal. Crystal yeah. was in California with us. Uh huh. Well, the month after I was diagnosed or had started everything, her mother died suddenly. Mm-hmm. And Crystal is still you know going through the grieving process. Mm-hmm. And but I remember she came here a couple of weeks ago and she just said. You're inspiring me, Melinda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was such a big job, you know? Yeah. Like, you're giving me a lot. Mm-hmm. But she was like, I said, but I'm not doing anything. And she said, yes, you are. The fact that you're fighting, the fact that you're still hopeful, the fact that you're not closed off in a bedroom weeping and feeling sorry mm-hmm. for yourself. You understand? Like, that. That's mm-hmm. that's enough. But take me back to the day that you actually told your mom. Like, how did you tell your mom? So you've, you've gotten everything from the, the clinic. You got your, 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 your pamphlets and your binder and everything. So then what happens? So I've cried a little. And not full cry. Not full body. Just mm-hmm. a little cry. Mm-hmm. And I say to her, they called. So you so, called your mom or you said this in person? No, this is in person. And she said, well, what did they say? And I said, I have breast cancer. I said, but, because I wanted to hurry up and get that mm-hmm. curable out quickly. Mm-hmm. And my mother is this, really the strongest woman that I know. And she said, okay. And she said, I knew it. And I said, what do you mean you knew it? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I knew when they were going through the amount of testing to even figure out what they saw in your breast. Mm-hmm. She said, so I, I had already gotten myself together then. Mm. And she said, treatable, curable. And when I told her that, she said, OK, well, what's next? Got some appointments, got some things to do. Okay, fine. She did not cry. She didn't gasp. To your knowledge, because remember, she had already prepared. Remember, she said she had already prepared. She said, I had already prepared. Absolutely. So she may have done her crying out of your sight. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did somebody call you? (laughs) How did... She said, I just knew. Mm Mm-hmm. And... At that 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 was it. She said, "Here, drink some wine." And that was it. Literally, drink wine. And, and funny enough, some neighbors came over, mm-hmm. and it, it, there are some neighbors here to have little children, who the children have almost become like my children, which is even ironic in this whole story. 
And so their moms happened to just come over. And we just all sat and had a lot of wine. But did you share it with them as well? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and we just moved on. You asked, was there family history? Uh, I had an aunt who had had a mastectomy when I was a little girl. Um, and she lived to be almost 90, you know? Mm-hmm. So, no no one had breast cancer. No one's had breast cancer. And I have a cousin that was diagnosed year before last. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, from that no, no real family history. Right. So, from the time that you first found out and they told you that it was this curable, treatable, best case scenario type of cancer, mm-hmm. how much time had passed when until they told you, okay, it's stage 3A? So that was July 31st. I was told it was 3A, September 28th. Okay. So something you just said a few minutes ago about God giving you mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. I At that moment, literally a light just went off. Mm-hmm. I would suspect that God knew I had to get that in pieces. Mm-hmm. Because on, if on July 31st they told me 3A... Mm-hmm. They also wouldn't have been using the term treatable and curable. Correct. Necessarily. Right. You know? Right. So, if I had heard that on July 31st, there's a chance I could have probably had a stroke, a heart attack, or literally lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he had to give it to me in doses. Right. So, I had to first conceptualize I have breast cancer and get through that. Right. right? Then I had to get through, you got to have surgery. Mm-hmm. And then each layer started to unfold, Craig. So what was it an aggressive cancer that just moved that quickly, or was it that they had just misdiagnosed it? So that that's the first piece. But and, and the funny thing is we won't know about some parts of it because they ended up doing surgery. Right. So when you there's a stage three tumor that's a seven centimeter tumor like mine. Mm-hmm. Um Typically, they're going to start chemo first. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, they'll start chemo first so they can see how the tumor reacts. Right. They didn't have that opportunity because they didn't realize it was that size. So to answer your question, my diagnosis literally, you know, 3D mammogram, um, regular mammogram, ultrasound, blood work shows nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women go and take the 3D mammogram because they're being told, oh, this is the best. Well, no, not if you have dense breasts. Mm. So th- that so there's so so many factors that play into how you approach it. Mm-hmm. And I have been being seen at the breast center for, for maybe going on two years because I have been complaining to my gynecologist that I was having breast pain in my right breast. Mm-hmm. So um, he said, you know, I'm going to write this a little differently so that you can be seen at the breast center. So I was starting to get every six months checkups. So you were getting mammograms every six months? Uh-huh. Okay. And um, in my left breast, there, had, there was a cyst that had revealed itself. Um, maybe in 2017, mm-hmm. early to late 2016, mm-hmm. and when they went to go biopsy it, it, it collapsed, which meant it was um, benign. Benign, yeah. So, um, 
you know, everything was fine, but I still was getting checked up regularly. So which and breast the, did they find the cancer? The left. The left. So not the one where you were experiencing the pain. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So the last mammogram I had before I was diagnosed, um, the nurse practitioner, Renee, says, oh, Melinda, you qualify to get an MRI. You'd be a good candidate for that. Do you want to do that? And I said, okay. I mean, do you think I should? She said, yeah, let, let's just see if your insurance will approve it. And if, if they do, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she calls back. They've approved it. Um, when do you want to do it? And I said, well, I'm traveling for work. And then it's the holiday. She said, okay, let's just do it after the holiday. She said, we're just doing it for good measure. I said, okay. After the holiday, I never scheduled it. Mm-hmm. In the system, when they called me in July for my six-month mammogram, the receptionist on the other line goes, oh, we're calling for your mammogram. She says, oh, I see in the notes that you can have an MRI. Do you want to do that instead? It's up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go ahead and do the MRI. That's how they found it. Wow. It was very cavalier. Right. So did you ever consider having a double mastectomy? No, because then that was my concern after the surgery. Well, should I have just gotten a mastectomy? Uh-huh. And my doctor said no. He said even still, um, that was not necessary. Mm-hmm. We were able to do a lumpectomy. We were able to um, get the cancer out and preserve the breast. My mm-hmm. radiation oncologist later even stated it's it's better to actually have your breast tissue there mm-hmm. to do the radiation. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what I didn't tell you is before my surgery, so I told you they sent you on a bunch of tests. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to this doctor, that doctor, and you're meeting your team. Mm-hmm. So um, I met the radiation oncologist because they said you're more than likely to have to have radiation. And so he literally did a hand exam of my breast and he looked at me. He said, This is a stage three. Just from feeling it. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, they said it's stage one, you know, when I go through the, and he said, hmm, I'm sorry, but this is what I'm feeling. Right. Medical oncologist says, I don't know why he said that. It doesn't even feel like cancer. But he knew. Going back to my, um, my breast surgeon, mm-hmm. not only when I called, I was frantic. Not only did he now do another exam, another ultrasound, he had taken all of my pictures and they had a roundtable discussion about me that morning before I came in mm. with other physicians looking. Not one of them. They all agreed that this was stage one. But he was the only one. The only one. And he just, he knew it just from feeling it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. So, at what point was your job going to be coming to an end in this whole process? So, that's another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That in itself. Okay. Well, I was told on July 9th. Oh, that Southern accent came out. I was told on July 9th that um, they would not be renewing my contract which the contract ended on July 31st. Mm -hmm. And this is after, which again, another series of events, this is after I had just come back from uterine surgery Mm -hmm. because I'd had a uterine surgery to remove a fibroid and reconstruct my uterus to preserve it Mm -hmm. so that I could do egg retrieval to have a child. Mm -hmm. 
So when I came back, I'd been back maybe a week and a half. And they told and, you. You know, there was there was drama. I I, I don't want to say too much, you mm-hmm. know, but um, I was told that my contract wouldn't be renewed. Okay, so right in the midst of getting the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I was told my contract wouldn't be renewed, and I was actually being seen about the breast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So had you had you started, because I know you, had you started doing, like, your own online, like, research in terms of, like, the best treatments and, you know, diet and, like, what you should eat from that point on? Like, had you started doing any type of research on your own or were you really relying on wait what did you say because i know you i said because i know you i can just imagine you all on google all on the internet looking shit up cancer treatments cancer centers where's the best place who has the best survival rate what I was doing and of course now after the diagnosis has changed so dramatically I am completely that is probably where you would have seen me go into more of a breakdown mm-hmm. I was a little there was a lot less control over my emotions and I was frantic mm-hmm. so I actually ended up going my god sister who's a survivor um, called one of her friends and long short they called the Cancer Treatment Center of America. Mm-hmm. And then the Cancer Treatment Center called me. Okay. And uh, one of my friends, Keisha, who got a shout out Hampson again, but she's one of the younger alums, but <laughs> she um, is a PA. Uh, she was one of my debutantes, actually. And I called and she said, "I'm yeah, we're going. She had had a women's conference that she hosted, her, her inaugural one, actually. And she got on a flight with me the next day with her baby that she was still breastfeeding and we flew to Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Because, see, I think part of what has to happen, too, is you have to have a tribe. You have Mm -hmm. to have a support system. You have to have a team of of friends or or family members that are going to be there with you Mm -hmm. um, to go to your appointments, to go for your surgeries, to go for your follow-ups, to be there with you at the house. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to have a... A team of people, because it's, it's too much for just one person. But if you can have just like a rotation of people that just kind of take turns, you mm-hmm. know, and even being there with you on the day of surgery, if possible. You know, I think all of that kind of plays into keeping your spirits up, mm-hmm. spirits up and keeping you motivated and keeping you focused on what really matters. And that is this moment right now and not mm-hmm. going too far down the line in your mind and thinking about the worst. Right. Yep. And so I don't know if you've seen like on my posts, I'm always hashtagging Glam Squad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Keisha goes, we go out to Cancer Treatment Center. We, we say her little boy Jackson is a part of the group because he was there. Mm-hmm. They go through everything. They look at all the films. They look at they do blood work and they literally settle my spirit. Mm-hmm. They say your doctors could not have possibly seen this because mm-hmm. it is not visible in any of your tests. Um, the protocol that they're going to put in place for you is exactly what we would do here. If you want to come here, it's fine. But what will happen in Chesapeake is just fine. Okay. So on our way back to the airport, that's when the glam squad was formed. Mm-hmm. Keisha turned to me and she said, Melinda, we need a group of your friends that can be a part of this mm-hmm. that can help mm-hmm. 
And so I literally sat down and started thinking, okay, who? Um, and they all, they represent different, different stages in my life, actually. Mm-hmm. And this group was formed, high school friends, college friends, mentees, um, former students, um, you know, folks I met at work, just, mm-hmm. a, but we all have created this friendship. Mm-hmm. People I've known for years, you know, or people I haven't known as long. And but so it was one of those people that set up the GoFundMe. Yes. Because one of your friends set up a GoFundMe. Uh-huh. And then I happened to see it. Like I said, I happened to be scrolling mm-hmm. through social media that particular day. Mm-hmm. And I have an amazing social media following. Um, I do this uh, Facebook Live for those that are listening that may not be aware or be connected with me on social media or Facebook. Um, I do this Facebook Live during the week at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And so like I, it's just like a collective. And, and I call them uh, my So Much To Say podcast pen pals. And the reason that I started going live on Facebook initially is because there were listeners who were listening to the podcast, but they wanted to sometimes talk about what they had heard on the podcast, and they wanted to talk about it with me, and mm-hmm. they wanted to sometimes talk about it with the guest. So I started going live just for the sole purpose of having the conversation to kind of have a talk back, if you will. But now it's mm-hmm. just become this thing where I just go in and I just kind of chit-chat, but we still have this whole community and I remember sharing your GoFundMe, and I remember posting and asking them to really do me a favor and support, mm-hmm. you know, your efforts because, like, you know, like we said in this podcast, your job was coming to an end. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was taxing financially, and and so they were able to go ahead and support, which, which, you know, I'm glad they were able to do that. Yes. And since I'm here, you know, I, I did a video that went back onto the GoFundMe page, and I don't know if people's had people had a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. But while I'm here, I want to thank you know your followers as well for the support and for you know reaching in and, and giving because that sustained me. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Craig? You know we. <laughs> We talk about that experience that we had at Hampton mm-hmm. and how great it Let me tell you how your classmates came through, honey. Listen. I mean, <laughs> folks from Quintessence 3, Hampton University. Our graduating class, yeah. <laughs> people I hadn't talked to mm-hmm. since maybe sophomore year. <laughs> hmm hmm I mean... Just the gifts that they have given. And I mean, even now, sometimes I'll look at my phone and last week, um, and and I hope she doesn't get upset if I say this, but Gina, her birthday week, Uh literally, I get a little ding on my phone, Uh cash app, here's a little something. That was so nice. I mean... The, you know, Maria ended up setting up something while she's in the middle of going to have a baby. She sent it out to QT3. I mean, literally that class. Yeah. The, uh, the class was class. Because you, know? you because, you, because you know what I realized? Like, when I went back to homecoming this past October, and of course, this was after I had found out about, about you. Mm-hmm. I went there with a different perspective. Obviously, I went there to have a good time because I'd been mm-hmm. there since 2001. But I, I, I definitely felt your absence 
Because like when I saw Corey, you know, mm-hmm. it was me, you and Corey. You know, I write about the three of us in my first uh-huh. book. You know, so I definitely felt your absence there. But I also went there with fresh eyes. Like I went there realizing that we are in our 40s now. Like yeah. I, at the time I was still 42. And I'm like, we're 42 and 43. Some of these people are 43. Mm-hmm. And, you know, life has happened. And I yep. could tell just looking at the people that life had happened in a more detrimental way to some than others. Mm -hmm. And I realized that we had lost some people. Some people had died. Um, I could tell that there were people who had gone through some really, really tough things because, you know, they just looked really worn. And then Mm -hmm. there were people who just looked amazing. And and they, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it just, homecoming had a different meaning for me. It was just like, we are really in the thick of life. We're in the thick of life. You know, because for me, and I'll be honest and transparent and say, you know, for many of the years that I had not returned to homecoming, it was because I just didn't have the financial means to do it. Because I've been mm-hmm. on this journey, you know, writing plays or greeting cards and then later writing these books. And so mm-hmm. every time that the, the homecoming rolled around, I just didn't have the money to do it. And so this was really the first time that I was able to say, oh, let me go on back. Let me do my thing, yeah. you know. And so for me, it was just like, oh, let me go back to be like, OK, yeah, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I got this going on. But it's just like... My perspective changed when I got Uh there. It wasn't even about any of that for me. Uh -uh. You know, it really was about I want to see my friends because we don't know how much time we have with people, not Uh just because of a cancer or anything like that, but just because life happens and everybody doesn't make it back to homecoming. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are people that I saw at homecoming in October that I had not seen since I left Hampton University in May 1998. Yep. You know, so for me, it was just it was just a different perspective. And it was just like, wow. And I just wanted to be able to support you in that way, because I just felt like if something was to happen to me, I would hope that, um, you know, there would be people that would be a resource to me. And the point that I was going to make also was when I saw some of the people, um, it was just like you could tell people had been through things. And I I remember saying to Tasha, Dr. Tasha Young, uh, she was Tasha Williams when we were there. But I I remember saying to her on the way back home, Tasha, I'm sure there were people there who are straddled by debt, may have lost their home in this whole economy Mm -hmm. thing that happened a few years ago, but they're there with a a smile on their face. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we would never know it. You know, they're covering it up. But... Something like this, like something like a cancer, that's something that everybody came to your rescue. You know, something yes. that, you know, people wanted to come and support. But what about mm-hmm. the people that went through other things that weren't life-threatening, mm-hmm. but they, they still are suffering? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People have gone through divorces, and they're, they're just trying to hold on to their peace of mind. Mm-hmm. But there's no support system for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not something that... Go ahead. You know, and and that's what it's funny. So that's what this has also shown me about that support system. Mm -hmm. So Glam Squad, we're actually looking to to become a little more official Mm -hmm. because we want to fill in the gap for those people. Mm -hmm. You know, it may not be cancer. It it, it could be something small, but Mm -hmm. it's detrimental to that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be able to come in because that is what is the, you know, there is this spiritual call. There is a bomb in Gilead to mm-hmm. um, soothe the sin sick soul. And like that friendship 
the friendship, the Hampton friends, the high school friends, the work for the friend friends, just the friends. That was my bomb. Mm-hmm. That soothed me. And so, you know, that's what we, we want to be able to pass on to somebody else. And what if this is your life's work? And what if the way that God or the universe had to get you to your purpose was to take mm-hmm. you through this cancer thing? This cancer mm. scare. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why I always say to my people that listen to my live, everything happens when and as it should. And if we can just take a moment to really just sit in it, sit in mm-hmm. the pain of it, because you have to turn pain into purpose. I really believe yeah. in turning pain into purpose. For me, it was writing these books and then just becoming more courageous about expressing myself and my views and thoughts about life and sexuality and just whatever. Mm-hmm. But, it, but I had to be stripped of everything that I thought yeah. was important, you know, to, to get to that. And sometimes you can just feel like you're so, so far off course, but sometimes you have to be off course in order to find your pathway, in order mm-hmm. to be on, to realize and recognize that you, that you've been on course the entire time. Mm-hmm. So and, and, so, and when you say just sit in it, yes. you know, cancer and having cancer treatment, you are doing a lot of sitting in. Yeah. Because you have a lot of time where you're not able to do anything. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting that I would go through this during the fall and winter when literally things are coming to a close and dying. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's when I went through this. And I'm coming out now, spring, summer. Right. But... In that fall and winter, Craig, there were some dark days. Uh, and li- listen, and because it's darker in the winter months anyway, the sun isn't as vibrant, yep. it isn't as bright, it's colder, it gets dark mm-hmm. early. So, no, I, I understand. Rain, you know, yes. it seemed like it rained a lot more. So, all of those things that help bring you up, you know, just if you're going to look in your environment, like the little environment, it, it rained a lot. And I can remember sitting. And this is gonna sound dramatic, but <laughs> sitting in a window one day, looking out of it and seeing a reflection of my bald ass head. Like, oh. <laughs> of my bald ass head. You're so stupid. And I was like, oh my gosh. But you've always worn your hair short. Now it wasn't that short. I mean, you weren't walking around here looking like Sinead O'Connor. I mean, you weren't walking around here looking like Sinead O'Connor, but I mean, you've always worn your hair short. So for for me, and I I said this to you, I said, uh, uh, and I wasn't really trying to be compassionate or like, you know, I was like, I really like your hair short like that. Like the first time we got on FaceTime, I really liked it because I mean, it just, you just look like a grown woman who decided Mm -hmm. to chop her shit off. You know what I mean? Like I didn't. I wasn't thinking like, oh, poor thing. She had to cut her hair off. No, it wasn't like that. I'm like, well, shit, that was just a few inches shorter than what she was doing in Hampton. I mean, (laughs) I mean, it wasn't that much different. Right. But was there anything that you did differently in terms of lifestyle um, or your eating? Like, did you? Because, like, for me, like, I've now been off of meat. It'll be two years in September. And for me, it was because I started to really put a lot of things in perspective. Like my grandfather and my father, my grand, my paternal grandfather and my mm-hmm. father were both diagnosed. My father was diagnosed with um, uh, prostate cancer when we were in college, mm-hmm. when we were in soft, sophomore year. Yeah. Okay. And my grandfather had been diagnosed a few years before that. And so for me, at that time, I stopped eating red meat back then mm-hmm. because that was supposedly a leading cause in cancer and prostate cancer in men. And so what I did was I, you know, 
just cut the red meat out. But then over time, when I first moved to Atlanta, I was writing for a theater company. Most of the kids in the theater company, it was a youth ensemble. Most of the kids in the theater company did not eat dairy, Mm -hmm. did not eat meat. And I always thought, oh, that's great for them, but mm, I I would never do that. You know what I'm saying? And I just didn't know if I had the discipline to do it. And so what happened was I've always kind of kept it in the back of my mind and thought, well, you know, maybe that's something I, I might explore one day. And then, of course, I watched that documentary on Netflix called What the Health, and that just did it for me. Now, I had meat in my freezer still, but I made the conscious decision that I was going to go ahead and remove it from my diet. So the way that I did it was gradual. So whenever I went out to eat with friends, I tried to eat a plant-based diet or I just ate seafood. So I'm not vegetarian or vegan. I I, rec- I identify as pescatarian because I still eat seafood. Okay. So I don't know if I'll ever give up seafood because I'm from Maryland. I love seafood. Right. But I stay away from dairy. I had been cut out milk like long before I stopped eating meat. I had been cut that out. I was drinking almond milk. And so what happened was when I would go out to eat with friends, I would try to eat a plant-based diet or something with fish or something. And when I came home, because I still had meat in my freezer, I would still cook it. But once it was gone, it was gone. So once the, the meat in my freezer was gone, I never bought more. And so okay. I just kind of slowly like weaned myself off the meat. But during that time, while I still had meat in my house, I would look up things on YouTube, vegan recipes. Mm-hmm. I would look on Pinterest. And then I'd talk to friends that I knew or that I had that weren't eating meat that had been off of it for a while. I just figured out what substitutes I could use for butter and, mm-hmm. you know, just whatever. And so that was how I did it. But what I've learned on this pescatarian or plant-based diet is that a a leading cause to cancer is mucus. Mucus Mm -hmm. is brought on from dairy. Your Mm -hmm. your butters, your milks, and your salad dressings that have dairy in and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, you know, I feel feel so much different now having come off the meat simply because I think it's the stuff that they put in the meat. Because oftentimes Mm -hmm. people, when I have this conversation with people, they'll say, well, you know, our grandparents ate this stuff. They didn't have these kinds of problems. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But they weren't putting those things in the meat like they were. And oftentimes our grandparents were harvesting and and, and making that stuff themselves. You know, they were Mm -hmm. farming animals. So it wasn't, it was kind of farm to table, if you will. Literally, yeah. You know? So it's not so much the meat itself. It's the stuff that they're putting in the meat. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things that I said, I've I've said to people is, you know, I remember growing up and if somebody was diagnosed with cancer, it was like, oh, my God, is she okay? Uh That that was what you asked. But Mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, my God, what kind? Like you immediately go to what kind of cancer? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's so prevalent now. The other thing that I've said is, so many women, in particular black women, because it's more of a, fibroids is more of a problem that black mm-hmm. women uh, experience. But now all of a sudden, so many black, I mean, there have always been issues with fibroids and things like that, endometriosis and that kind of thing. But now it's like every time you look up, somebody that I know, a black woman, has fibroid issues. And I have to, I, I, I have to ascribe it to the diet. Mm-hmm. So have you thought about like, um, changing, like and you know how I like to eat. Uh, listen, we like to eat because that was one of our favorite pastimes <laughs> at Hampton. And, and you know, I've become a really good cook, kind of. You know, I like to entertain. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question in short, yes. And I can remember when you um, 
first learned of my diagnosis, I can't remember at what point. I don't know if you have been, but one day you randomly sent me a text message saying, hey. I remember. (laughs) I remember. Go ahead. (laughs) Tell the people. (laughs) It it was almost like basically. uh, You might want to put that motherfucking dairy down. (laughs) But see, I can only say that to you because we're so close. And but but you know I don't think I don't think I would have been courageous enough to say that to somebody that I'm not as close to because again for the people that are listening even though Melinda and I have not seen each other in a very long time we are close enough like when we were in college I said to her, I said I don't give a fuck where we go after college we gonna be close enough to bitch if you get a if you get a cavity bitch I need to know about it you understand what I'm saying so I still felt like I could say that to you and mm-hmm. not feel like I was. Uh, crossing a boundary. Like intrusive or something. No, yeah. It, it's funny because when you, because I remember one of the first things, then you said, look, you need alkaline water. Yes. And I, and I laughed because I had jugs of it. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because I had gone out to get some because actually I remember when Beth was diagnosed, I sent her um, some cases of alkaline water because she said that was something that would be helpful to her. So I went out and I got the alkaline water. Um, uh-huh. And then I just started trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do before this? Uh-huh. You know, it was, what am I going to do? Because, you know, the job I had, I traveled a lot. And, you know, I like to eat and I like to cook. Uh-huh. And I stopped going to the gym. I'm that person who I've realized in order to lose weight, I have to gym and watch what I eat. Uh-huh. You know, and so I had dropped all of that. So mm-hmm. I gained 40 pounds and, you know, I was just like, oh gosh, I'm going into this like that. And I remember going to the, the nutritionist of the cancer treatment center mm-hmm. and um, he said, it's actually a blessing that you've gained that weight because uh-huh. you're going to need it. Absolutely. And so, um, so anyway, you know, I was thinking, how am I going to do this? It's too much food that I like. Mm-hmm. What are my true issues? Mm-hmm. My biggest issue is sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much, you know, drinking sugar as far as cokes and Coca-Colas right. and all that. It's more just eating like pies and cakes, mm-hmm. you know, cookies. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that was a problem, and I was trying to figure out how am I going to do this. So then, when you go to chemo, they tell you, or you're going to start. They're literally like, "Look, you're not going to have an appetite." Mm-hmm. And I remember the doctor telling me, if one day all you want is chocolate cake, eat that. And I want you to just eat chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. And so. Now, was this the same doctor that felt what stage cancer it was? No. With his hand? Was, this was a different um, doctor. Okay. This, this was part of the um, chemo oncology, that medical oncology side. Okay. And so they're saying, you know. You may not have an appetite, but overall, they started talking about, you know, just healthy eating. And we know what healthy eating is. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, limiting our sugars, our starches, increasing vegetables and fruits, and keeping meat Mm -hmm. to the size of it to a minimum, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what they're saying. Right. But after my first dose of chemo, um, you know, I'm drinking Ensures, okay, and Mm -hmm. eating popsicles. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I, I didn't think about it too much. Mm-hmm. And and then I would bring it up because not only, Craig, was I now eating insures and popsicles, every time I went to chemo, I gained two pounds. Mm-hmm. Then four pounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is anybody else looking at us? 
Because a girl thought she was going to lose a couple pounds. I thought the one feature of this. <laughs> I thought the one benefit was that a girl was going to lose a couple pounds. Trim way down. <laughs> okay. So what I was looking for didn't happen. And so finally, my doctor goes, well, the um, PA, she says, you, you realize we give you steroids, right? Mm, so the steroids is what helps you gain some weight. Right. And then I said, I'm so hungry. I thought y'all said I wasn't going to eat. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's the steroids. And, and so then the actual oncologist, he said, Melinda, people with actual cancer in their body are the ones that lose weight on chemo. Mm-hmm. They have active cancer. Yeah. You do not. Right. Therefore, you're going to probably gain some weight because we're putting a lot of fluids in you. Mm-hmm. We're actually putting a lot of steroids in you. And then we're having you take an oral steroid as well. Right. So, Craig, I gained 22 pounds on chemo. Mm. Not a good look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like he, but like they said, you were going to need that extra weight, too, though, to kind of. I came in with extra weight. I didn't need to increase it while I was in the <laughs> I came in with some extra weight. I didn't need no extra, extra. I didn't need extra on extra. But but let me say this because I know there's probably somebody thinking, you know, just because I, you know, subscribe to a a plant-based, a more of a Mm plant-based diet that cancer cannot happen. That is not what I'm saying. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want anybody to mistake what I'm saying because, again, cancer can sometimes be environmental because it's also from the products that you use because, like, Mm -hmm. I have an amazing supporter um, she's out in California. She sends me like um, vegan uh, laundry detergent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of things because the chemicals, even in our fabric softeners and stuff, it it goes anything that's yes. touching your skin, even shower gels. She sends me shower gels, and mm-hmm. so I've pretty much switched over on all of those things too. Now I'm not perfect at it because there are times that I might eat a, a stuffed crab cake or something mm-hmm. that might have a little mm-hmm. imperial or something. That, you know what I mean? Or stuffed mushroom. You know, and sometimes I eat a piece of cake and it has, of course, it's been made with egg. But it's for me, it's just leaning towards, you know, something different so that I'm not completely relying on it. And Craig, who knows? I mean, you remember how you see his pine salt and I still Uh do. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's in everything that we use. It's in makeup. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. what I've learned from this woman that sends me this stuff is. It, they're chemicals and everything, and it's just not something that I ever really thought about. And all of those things play a factor. So it's not just about diet, mm-hmm. because it's like you're spraying different products, air fresheners in your house, even yeah. down to like baby wipes. And yeah. she was telling me like a, a lot of times people think that these babies are getting diaper rashes because they're still damp when you change them and you put in them, you know, in a brand new pamper or mm-hmm. diaper. She said, no, it's those chemicals in those baby wipes. This, the mm. baby's skin is sensitive. You know, like, I just never thought about that. Your yep. hand soaps that you're using, every single thing has chemicals in it. So she's really opened my eyes to, like, so many different things from hand soap to, like I said, laundry detergent. Right. And, you know, one day I'm looking at a commercial and they said, if you've used the weed killer Roundup, mm-hmm. then you can... You know, I work in the yard. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. And I've used that product. And, um, but when you talk about diet, I think the thing that makes it kind of feel like, you know, that that's what we have a little more control over, right? Yeah. You have control, and it seems like food is so much closer than mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. You know, we're actually ingesting that. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, why we we would turn to, let's, let's look at our diet. Mm-hmm. And 
so one of the things that I had said that I would do is I asked our oncologist, I said, how should I eat? Mm-hmm. And he said, and he, and he did do this, Greg, he said, you don't need to go vegan. Mm-hmm. You don't need to stop eating meats. Mm-hmm. He said, but you need to eat like the American Heart Association prescribes. Mm-hmm. He said, so that's a food, that's a diet rich in vegetables, mm-hmm. fruit, not a lot of fat, mm-hmm. not a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. He said, so if you want a piece of cake, you eat it, but maybe you're doing that once a month. Right. Right. And um, he said, you need to exercise. He said, that is what I tell my cancer patients, that they use the American Heart Association guidelines for food and exercise, diet and exercise. That will be perfect. Yeah. Now, additionally, I have started thinking about, so I'm spending a lot more time at farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. Um, Recently, I saw where one of the farmer's markets, you know, they have their eggs. So all of these things I'm thinking, well, if I could try to eat more organically. Mm -hmm. Um, And eliminate those things still, not eliminate, but manage them mm -hmm, a lot better. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So that, that, that's my plan. You know, the sugar's got to go. And mm-hmm. so funny enough, you know, I'm thinking this whole time, all right, I come in overweight, I gain 20 pounds, and no one's talking to me about my diet. So finally, the nutritionist meets with me last week in radiation, and she says, you are in what we call acute medical treatment. We don't talk about that because we're trying to make you well. Mm-hmm. Our focus is that cancer. Mm-hmm. Now that we're at the end of it, we can start having the conversation. Mm-hmm. So she had a packet for me, um, and then she will be sending me over to another part of our hospital network, which is called the Lifestyle Center, where I'll actually be with a nutrition coach. Um, so the people, you know how people go to weight loss, have weight loss surgery, and they have to go in and do certain amount of months of counseling and all that. Basically, I'll be seeing one of those people. Okay. And um, they say they send their breast patients there because breast cancer patients historically gain weight mm-hmm. because it's hormonal. There's so many hormonal things. What would you say to someone that was diagnosed today that, that may be listening to this? I don't even know if I would tell them anything. I think I might would listen because it's such a flood of emotion. And they're just trying to process. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, if you know, I didn't say I would tell them you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't always know that. Right. And, and based on the experiences that we've all had, sometimes people aren't. And prayer isn't always about the outcome being what you want it to be. Right. It's about getting through. Mm-hmm. It's about showing me, you know what I'm to learn in this stage. It's mm-hmm. it's it's about ordering my steps. Now I did ask fervently and I still do for healing. Mm-hmm. That's just not healing my body, that's healing my thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know? Healing everything. So if I if I had to talk to a person today that that was diagnosed, I think I would I would literally would start by listening. And then feed off of what they needed, what they asked, you know, answer questions. But if I had to give advice, it it would be pray and try to be positive. Because I do think that the mindset has a lot to do with your healing. Absolutely. 
Melinda, I thank you so very much for opening up. And um, this is the first thorough conversation that you and I have had. We've had, you know, know. touch and go. Like, we had conversations about, okay, what do we need to do? Like, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? But this is my first time hearing the entire story right along with everybody else that's listening. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing this Mm -hmm. story. Undoubtedly, just like that woman stopped you in the deli, somebody's going to hear this story, even though they may not see your face and know you, Mm -hmm. you know, recognize you. But this this story is definitely going to reach some people. And hopefully it's going to inspire someone, even someone that hasn't been diagnosed at this point they could be diagnosed Mm -hmm. a week from now a month from now and they'll at least have the tools of how to approach this i know you're wrapping up but i want to tell women don't just stop at that mammogram yeah if you know you have dense breasts even if you don't feel a lump if you have some pain talk to a doctor just to see if they can do an escalated just a different type of exam you know um so many reports are even out now about how even Black women specifically aren't always getting the treatment, you mm-hmm. know, that they need. They're not being listened to. You know, take it a step further because the mammogram may not show it. Mm-hmm. The 3D may not show it, but something will show it. Right. Well, thank you very much. If this is your first time listening to So Much to Say, please hit the subscribe button or follow button, depending on where you're listening. We're available for free in SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, wherever you can listen to a podcast. We're here each and every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please share this podcast with your friends, your family members, your church members, and your social media. Be safe. Keep loving yourself. The dream girls are bringing the suit to your city. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know the time you had the last time, baby. We had a good time. But we're going to have an even better time, baby, because the dream girls, Miss Funky Donnie Ross, Miss Sophia, and the real T.S. Matthew is on our way to town. Baltimore, Maryland, up. Now, listen, Sunday, June 30th, we're going to be having brunch with Miss King David. www.eventbrite.com to quit your tickets. Get your tickets, get your tickets now. And listen, don't beat me with you. Beat me there. Come on, Baltimore. I love you. Sayitinacard.com is an online greeting card company that delivers directly to your front door. Whether it's a breakup, Yes, I said breakup. We have breakup cards, love cards, trouble relationship cards, friendship cards, and of course, all of the traditional cards, birthday cards, sympathy cards, and of course, holiday cards like Mother's Day, Father's Day, and Christmas. So visit us today at www.sayitinacard.com. That's www.sayitinacard.com. Free shipping for a limited time.